asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Let's be honest, the first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simons on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. right man i think our listeners know that if it's monday they're either gonna hear uh hear us talk to an interesting guest or they know that there's a chance they might have a listener question that's answered we've got five listener questions that that listeners have submitted that we're going to get to during this episode including where to stash some money if you're looking to to buy a house in the in the coming years i'm sure this is a question that uh that nobody out there has right like nobody (laughs) wants to buy a house these days (laughs) that's a joke everybody wants to buy a house and i will say foreshadowing there is a place that you can stash it beyond just a savings account that's we'll right. get to that in a minute exactly with low risk as well we're going to take a question uh, about just teaching little kids about money some steps to take there and some tax considerations for summer jobs we've got those questions plus two other ones that we're going to get to during this episode but first you wanted to talk about uh, i see a note here about hvac uh what's that all about all right so your hvac didn't go out did it no it's fortunately oh my okay. gosh that's a very expensive thing i'm glad i mean it's more expensive too in the middle of the summer right like because don't wish that on me ricky bobby <laughs> i'm not i'm not wishing it I'm okay just, i'm glad that that's not the position that you're in yeah so I, I was just thinking the other day as i went over to one of my rental properties that like literally five years ago i i met with an hvac guy he, he came out to kind of assess the unit and literally literally all right Rob Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah we were, he was like man i don't know this thing's this thing's getting a little long in the tooth uh. you want to <laughs> consider replacing it 
And, you know, he's right. It, it's a really old unit. It was mm-hmm. 18 years old or 16 years old at the time. Nice. Yeah, so, so it's old. It's but antique. It's been five years since then. I did not take his advice, and I did not replace the unit. And it's, dude, it's still going strong. And by going strong, I mean, you know, it's puttering along. <laughs> <laughs> it's doing its job. The air is cooler coming out of the vents than is going into it. That's I, all that matters. And I just kind of like randomly thought about that the other day, and I just wanted to, to let people know, you know, sometimes um, it, it's, it's not necessarily that he had ill intention or that he wanted me to spend money that, you know, <laughs> I didn't want to spend. Um, but I do think it's important when you get advice from a professional to get a second opinion, call yeah. in, you know, another HVAC company and say like, how bad off is, is this unit? Like, do, do I need to actually replace it? And then also too, it's almost like, yeah, changing, changing the oil in your car, right? How, the, how that's the number one thing if you have a gasoline car um, to prolong the life of that car. Mm-hmm. It's, it's changing the filter on your HVAC. If you do that every three months, like that thing's going to run for a long time. And so, yeah, I just wanted to, to let people out there know, like if a service professional tells you that you need to replace something really soon, like that guy made me think it was going to go out that summer. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm, you know, here I am chugging, chugging along five years later, five years down the road. I'm just glad that I didn't actually <laughs> listen to him and, and go down that road. Um, and there's just so many little ways. Go change your filter, man, and, and make sure that that uh, unit lasts longer than, you know, anybody else thinks it's going to. Yeah, you don't need that extra strain on your blower motor as this running there kind of trying to suck through oh oh actually dude this actually made me think of one time when i was changing the filter there's a 20 dollar bill down there oh there you go <laughs> did i ever tell you that no oh yeah that was like one of the how'd that know, get there n- normally well just you know through the in- air intake vent like with our old houses like i feel like newer homes the air intake it's like on a you know on a small wall kind of and it's vertical but like on our old homes man with the air intakes on the ground i find all sorts of stuff down there <laughs> mine's like the size of a uh, husky <laughs> like it's a of a huge animal like uh we have two in the yeah. floor yeah yeah, they're massive. But yeah, I agree. Like that alone is uh, definitely a great way to prolong uh, the the life of your HVAC. And see, you know, like you said, it's important to think through, like if someone's giving you advice and they stand to gain from it, it's worth considering their motives a little bit. Not again, like you said, not that this guy was trying to steer you wrong because chances are he'd seen a lot of HVACs that were 18 years old uh, that had crapped out that summer, right? <laughs> yeah. um, it wasn't necessarily bad advice, but I think it was wise of you to say, all right, let's, let's see how long this can go. And also, too that's a good signal to be like all right it's time to start maybe saving up some money to replace that hvac yeah because like what's really tough is getting stuck with a bill like that that you may not have been saving up for and so i don't know it makes me think of like the the filter reset on our fridge because we've kind of you know got the filter built into the refrigerator and our fridge lets us know when we're supposed to change it and i'm sure it's just set to like beep you know like like once a year or <laughs> that kind of thing but it's been beeping now for a couple months i i do think it is time now for me to order a new water filter uh prolong the the length of our of our fridge uh making sure that we're getting that that nice clean water in the same way you want to keep getting that nice clean air in your house that's right yeah uh, preventative maintenance is like huge it's totally being frugal right <laughs> to to do those minor things to keep things running smoothly like the filter in your hvac it's um you know it's a ten dollar filter or whatever and yet that could save you from hundreds of dollars in repairs or thousands of dollars in having to get a new unit. Totally, man. Yeah. So another quick question for you. Do you get the cheap filters uh, that only filter out dust or do you get the ones too that say that they'll trap like pollen, cigarette smoke, 
viruses. I'm not smoking <laughs> cigs in my house, so <laughs> I'm, I'm usually going with like you know that in between grade of yeah, not, not the super fancy ones that's filtering out every single thing, but so yeah, middle of the road. Well, here's what I think too. Yeah, those fancier ones they say that they'll fil- filter out like everything. Like, but I've got to think that that makes it more difficult for the system to pull the air through as well, right? I'm sure we'll hear from a listener who you know work, works in the industry <laughs> and a professional. Yeah, and they'll be like, uh, "Sorry, Matt, you're wrong on that one." Hey, I, mean, I don't know. Who knows? I, yeah, that's just what I'm thinking. Versus like the super cheap ones that are kind of like it's like breathing through a sock. It's like really easy as opposed to breathing through like a coffee filter, right? Yeah. Like one of these is going to be more difficult than the other. But I'm with you. I don't want to overdo it, but I also don't want to don't want to go too cheap as well. Yeah, and stop trying to breathe through socks, buddy. All right, <laughs> I'm so. just that was the first thing that came to mind. How about a sweater? <laughs> okay. Yeah, breathing through a sweater that sounds a little more less gross than a sock. <laughs> it does. It does. All right, let, let's. Uh, let's move on to the drink that we're having on this episode. And I do say drink because this is a peach seltzer from our friend Jess, who uh, he homebrewed this. His homebrewery goes under the moniker Easy Chair Brewing Garage. So big thanks to Jess for tossing this literally homemade peach seltzer our way. And we'll give our thoughts uh, on it at the end of the episode. But for now, Matt, let's get on to the topic at hand. We're answering listener questions today. And for anybody out there who has a question they want to ask, we would love to hear it, and we'd love to hopefully take it on a, an upcoming Ask HTM episode. Uh, just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. There are super simple instructions there for you to record and then send us your voice memo, uh, and hopefully we can take your question on an episode soon. Uh, so, Matt, let's get to the first one. This is about medium-term savings when you're, when you're saving for a house. Where do you put that money? Hey, guys. Uh, this is Alex from the DFW. I just wanted to echo the question that was asked in the Facebook group today. Um, I'd like to buy a house, you know, in the next three to six years or so, but it's still going to be a minute before I have the amount needed for a down payment. So I'm really just wondering, where should I save that money? So about me, um, I don't have any debt. I have a used car. I'm a contractor without an employer match. I'd like to start investing in a Roth IRA for the first time this year. Aside from that, I do have a little bit in savings. I'm just wondering where I should start going to plan for the future. Thanks, guys. All right, Alex, uh, we appreciate you listening to the podcast and uh, sending in your question. And again, especially because I know that you're not the only one out there who's wondering uh, the exact same thing. There are a ton of folks out there who are, are starting to look ahead. You know, they're looking down the road and they see home ownership in their future. So thanks for sending in your question. And also, too, you know, Alex mentioned a comment uh, in our Facebook group. If you are on Facebook and you haven't joined uh, our group, make sure to search for How to Money uh, and you can find a group of like minded money nerds. Uh, that are there helping each other out. Man, people in there are so great. They're always helping each other out. And they're always like super kind. I feel like the internet, an unkind place much Normally, of the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, like when you remove humanity and people are faceless, people can be rude. Yeah, but but not in the How to Money group most of the time. I love so that. I'm glad for that. Uh, also too, Matt, like let's, let's get to Alex's question. Like she says, where could I save that money for a down payment? And we think she is mostly on the right track here, wanting to save her money yeah. because she's looking to purchase a home sometime in you know this medium term uh, length of time, three to six years. Alex, you're likely not going to want to invest all of that money in the market because you'd run the risk of losing some of it in the short term, right? Let's say you do decide to buy a house in three years. Well, that's a short timeline and you could lose some of the money that you've put in if it's invested, let's say 100% in stocks. Over longer periods of time, you'll see money invested in the stock market grow. And that's because the longer you're invested, you smooth out the volatility, right? The ups and the downs of the market. The longer your time frame, the less risky investing becomes. 
Yep. Yeah. Time frame is really critical to your question here because of, you know, what we can learn from history. And so, uh, Alex, let's say, for instance, that you were planning to buy a house way off in the future, maybe say like in 15 years. Well, if that were the case, we would 100% encourage you to invest that money in the stock market because there isn't a 15-year period in, in over 50 years where the S&P 500 didn't yield a positive return. However, when you look at the rolling five-year returns, uh, there are definitely some periods when the stock market delivered a negative return. There's a Specifically, if you look at recent history, if you look at the, the five years from uh, about 2004 to 2009, uh, the stock market dropped 30%. The S&P 500 fell 30%. And so you're looking at an annualized negative return at around 6%. And so if you were counting on that money within those five years, at the end of that period of time, to do something with that, uh, you would have ended up with a lot less money. And of course, course, that's not the situation anybody wants to find themselves in, but especially if that money has a name on it, right? If you have a specific uh, goal that you're using to fund with that money. And so if you invest in the market, you know, there's a really good chance that you would see your, your investment grow, but you do run the risk of potentially losing money as well. Yeah. And, and since Alex, uh, for her, preservation of capital is really important here. And I feel like preservation of capital is a fancy way of saying not losing your money. Want to keep my money. Exactly. Yeah. Since that's like such an important part of, of this equation, you don't want to be too flippant with that money that you're going to need in potentially just a few years time. Um, but it might make sense to invest some of that money. And I don't know, maybe split the difference, maybe half of it. Uh, in yeah. Investing half of it maybe in a more conservative fund that isn't 100% stock focused, like let's say yes. a target date fund, year 2025. So you're talking about even half of the half that you're putting in there in, in stocks, the rest in bonds, you're, you have a more balanced approach uh, to investing and you're less likely to experience huge bouts of volatility when you have your money invested in that way. And then maybe with the other half to find, uh, we would suggest finding a conservative place to generate a small return with, with the rest. You know, Series I savings bonds are an awesome vehicle for medium term savers right now. Those bonds are being issued with a 3.54% guaranteed return right now nice. from the federal government, which is great. So stashing some of your funds there is going to ensure that your cash isn't being eaten away by inflation because it's actually keeping pace with inflation. That's what I-bonds do. And so, yeah, you can purchase up to $10,000 worth of I-bonds per person each calendar year. And obviously, 3.54% is way better than what basically any of the online savings accounts are paying these days. Yeah, not only are you keeping your money from getting eroded by inflation, but you're also able to avoid some of that inherent risk that comes with investing in the stock market. But one downside to I-bonds uh, is that you have to keep it locked up for at least a year. And if you decide to redeem them before five full years of uh, having them, you're actually going to have to forfeit three months of interest. And that's honestly not that big of a penalty, <laughs> to, to be honest. It's, it's still way better than that 0.5% that you're going to you know, earn in savings. And here's the thing, too, on that note, if you're not completely sure that you'd want to buy a house you know, three to six years from now, you can always go ahead and accept the risk of fully investing that money within the market. Because again, you know, there's a chance that you'll grow that investment, but there's no guarantee. So it kind of comes down to how much that you want that house. Uh, if you want to guarantee that that money is going to be there, then again, we would recommend that you not invest that money, or at least limiting how much you're investing to, to only half of your money. Uh, and then maybe with the other half, yeah, like Joel said, putting it in I-bonds. Matt, I, I feel like I-bonds are going to become 
you know, just more and more interesting to a lot of yeah. savers, uh, you know, because the rates being paid on those are going up and inflation looks like the it might be going inflation. up. <laughs> the fear yes, of inflation. Exactly. And knowing that you're at least keeping pace with it um, for, for some of the money that you have stashed away is, I think, going to be become more and more appealing. Uh, we got more questions to get to, though, Matt, including, you know, what about becoming a financial counselor? Should I do that? How do I go about doing that? We'll get to that and more right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money joel so we were just recounting our trip to scotland this is the trip that we took this time last year actually with some of our friends over the weekend and one of the highlights from edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop Mm -hmm. they were fresh out of the oven they had that perfectly flaky crust but guess what that serendipitous experience would never had happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel we had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town thanks to airbnb oh man i'm still dreaming about those meat pies you're making my (laughs) you're making me drool and while turning to airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. 
Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, we are back. And uh, Joel, let's take a question now from a listener who uh, who's out in California, and he's thinking about taking a serious cut in pay in order to help other people. Hey, Joel and Matt. This is Will from Southern California. Really uh, love your show and keep up the good work, guys. Uh, my wife and I are um, both pretty high earners. Uh, we are both in the healthcare field. Uh, and even though we live in Southern California, we were able to save a lot, probably close to about 75 to 80% of our income. So we're definitely well on our way to financial independence. Uh, my wife is probably never going to quit her job. Uh, she's a physician and she worked really hard at it and uh, is going to probably continue working for, for a long time. In terms for me, I'm a little bit less passionate about my work as I used to be. Um, a lot of transitions, especially during COVID. So I I've been thinking a little bit about um, what I may want to do. Finance really does interest me. I listen to your show plus a bunch of others and I'm pretty passionate about it. So I was looking into something I guess called the accredited financial counselor. It looks like a little bit different compared to a certified uh, financial planner. And I was wondering if you guys know anything about it. Um, obviously love what you guys do, uh, but quote unquote for entertainment purposes only. So I was looking more into uh, maybe areas where I can do one-on-one counseling with people about their finances, help them out in terms of, uh, you know, setting them on the right path, uh, especially since I've been able to do that with my finances and my families. And I think it's uh, something that I'd uh, be good at, but also that uh, would help a lot of people. And uh, even if I have to take a pay cut, we're in a good place to be able to manage that still. So love the show, guys. Uh, Looking forward to uh, what you guys have to say about this. Well, man, I love the heart behind this, right? That you want to help other people and you're willing to take a pay cut to do it. That's awesome. And Matt, I think too, like saving in Southern California is so much harder. So like, I feel like Will deserves a big round of applause for you know, being able to save such a major chunk of his income. What do you say? 70 to 80%? Yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, I mean, especially given, I mean, the taxes in California, cost of living. That's definitely not like living in Atlanta. You know? <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, Will must really like rice and beans, right? <laughs> if he's doing that. But yeah, Will, let's talk about you know your question and becoming a, a financial counselor. I feel like that's a great path to take. And there's such a huge need out there. You really have to do it because you do love helping people because that's so such an important part of, of your mission. Matt, it makes me think, um, I'm not sure if you've seen any of the Netflix series Last Chance You. Have you seen that? Nope. Okay. And so apparently there's a bunch of seasons. I've only watched like some of the most recent one, which was uh, about ba- this basketball team in okay. Los Angeles. And the coach man on there He's just like a guy that seemed, he just seems like one of the coolest dudes ever. His name's uh, John Mosley. And he's just all about making these kids, like he's not all about winning games, although they win a ton of games, Mm -hmm. but he's all about like helping these kids like move into adulthood and find some sort of like mentorship. Um, His, his heart behind coaching is just something I think is like super admirable. And um, yeah. So if anybody out there is like looking for something to watch on Netflix, like I recommend that the latest season of last chance, you a little pick me up kind of series. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I was like, man, this makes me want to go out and like do something, (laughs) get in the community and serve some folks. Have an impact on the world. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. I feel like that financial coach space is a great place if you have that kind of heart, but it can also be a tough one. And like, the, the, the tough part of the space is that 
anybody can call themselves a coach, right? Like lots of folks do it. They charge for their time and their money. They don't have any letters behind their name. And I think Matt, you and I, we're okay with that, right? We don't have any letters behind our names. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, some of the most passionate and knowledgeable folks in the personal finance space are self-taught just like Will. And Will, it's just one of those things like hiring a life coach, right? It could be a good thing. This this person could be really, really helpful, but you might also get some like weird advice too if you hire a life coach and, and they're a bit wacky. Um, it's kind of a, a swim at your own risk environment, at least when it comes to like the consumer who's hiring the life coach or financial coach side of things. Yeah, you can find somebody on the fringe a little bit, but you could also find some legit good advice. Yeah. It just depends. And so Will, that's kind of where accreditations come into play. Um, and so hiring a financial counselor, it's, it's going to be difficult for the consumer to know who they can trust because the level of financial knowledge can vary widely uh, between people who call themselves you know, a, a financial counselor. And so there are different certifications out there too, uh, but we think that getting accredited is well worth your time as well as the money that it takes. And there are a couple different certifications worth looking into. We think that the CPFC is a solid choice. That stands for the Certified Personal Finance Consultant. But we feel that the AFC, the Accredited Financial Counselor, which you mentioned, is probably the best one out there. Uh, we'll make sure to link to both of those in our show notes. Uh, and either one of those certifications are going to be really helpful when it comes to the, the, the education that you receive uh, and in providing credibility you know, to, to potential clients. Basically, they're going to have a, a much better idea of what kind of coach uh, that they'll be getting were you to have some of those initials behind your name. That's right. By the way, the AFC is definitely different from a CFP, which is a right. certified financial planner, which I, Will did mention in the question, I think. The CFP is going to take you longer to get. You'll likely be working uh, really in a different capacity. You'll be working with more like high-end clients and talking about more um, complex financial situations, maybe some estate planning, right? Whereas like an AFC is going to be helping people with stuff like budgeting and debt payoff. They're really two different ends of like the financial stratosphere that you're going to be walking in. And either is great, but we think there's just like this big need for AFCs to help people with the basics of personal finance. And um, and so, yeah, we would encourage you to go in that direction. And so best of luck to you, Will, really, as you pursue this line of work. Hopefully it's not helpful just for you. Hopefully it's not just good and fulfilling for you. But man, you're, you're able to help a lot of people out there on this in this really fulfilling way. This like one-on-one -on -one coaching where you can like really see the differences uh, that, that people are able to make in their lives based on the advice you're able to give. That's right, Joel. All right. Our next question comes from a listener who has a teenager uh, that who has a summer job. Uh, they're starting to think about taxes. I know it's the middle of the summer, but it's never too soon to start thinking about taxes. Uh, so let's hear this question. Hi, Joel and Matt. This is Sharon from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, we're very excited that our 15-year-old has his first summer job this year, but we are wondering how we're going to deal with the tax situation. Do we need to report his income on our return? Does he need to file a separate return so that he can get a refund of those taxes that he uh, surely won't owe because he'll be low income? Would appreciate any tips you have. Thanks so much. All right, Matt, I like this question. Pump for Sharon and for her 15-year-old too, because I feel like, yeah, starting work uh, that early in life is such a good thing. Like it yeah. was it was for me, man, when I started at the, the ripe old age of 14 Ooh. was my first job. Um, was that it, even allowed? 
Uh, it was legally. No, nice. Yeah. Just barely. <laughs> Just barely. I mean, I guess I was doing other things before then, like mowing lawns in yeah. my neighborhood. But I did more work like that that uh, versus like a legit, you know, paid job where I was getting, you know, taxes taken out, which is like, that's the biggest thing I feel like you learn with your first job is that where is all my money? <laughs> like you see how much money's <laughs> it didn't being, all come my way. <laughs> being taken out. But uh, yeah, what, your first gig was at the cell phone. Was it the cell phone? No, store that, was like, that was uh, later in high school. First okay. gig was at Chick-fil-A, man. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. And, and yours was at the golf course, right? Yeah, that's right. I was a cart boy, <laughs> basically just, yeah, riding all over the place in a, in a golf cart. But uh, man, like, honestly, like we don't even have teenagers yet, but it makes me just respect those who manage teenagers because I can't imagine <laughs> trying to manage young Joel or young Matt uh, on the job site. I know that I was an idiot back then. <laughs> and so all the more respect to those who hire uh, these young teenagers. Yeah, take some special skills and some patience. Right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but man, I feel like it was like such good preparation for, for future work. I, th- I think you learn a lot by getting a summer job and even working part time during the school year. So yeah, big big ups to, to Sharon's kiddo for this. And if only I'd known about a Roth IRA back then. Oh yeah. Oh man, I'd be sitting pretty, but I didn't. And alas, didn't open one until my early 20s. <laughs> yeah, we'll actually talk more about uh, the Roth IRA here in a minute, but let's talk about taxes first, right? And so Sharon, for your son, he doesn't have to file a tax return if he makes below the uh, $12,400 threshold, and that's because of the Stainer deduction. Basically, if this is you, you, you're not going to owe tax on any income until you start making more uh, than that dollar amount, more than that $12,400, and you're actually not required to file a tax return. The IRS doesn't mind, uh, but you might still want to do it because there are important benefits. For instance, if that employer is withholding federal or state taxes, your son will be eligible for a refund. But of course, he's not going to get that refund unless he files a return. And so if uh, you think that he might be eligible for that, yeah, make sure he does file that tax return. That's true. And, and although he can also fill out the W-4 form when starting the job and mark exempt so that taxes aren't withheld, which would mean that he wouldn't have to file a return either. That's probably the simplest way really to go about this. But uh, yeah, the great thing is that even if your teen does file a return, it's not going to cost any money through the IRS website. If you click on the, the free file section, and it's going to be such a simple return that's not going to take long uh, either. So uh, that's the, the perk of a teen filing taxes cost nothing and super quick. That's right. Yeah, there's no reason to overthink it beyond that. Uh, but then Sharon, this is also the perfect time uh, to get your, your child interested in investing. I think one of the best ways to get him uh, excited is to match what he contributes to a Roth IRA. He's eligible to contribute to a Roth because he'll actually have earned income. And so let's say, for example, that he earns $6,000 at his summer job. He can contribute all of his earnings to a Roth. Um, however, we know that that's probably not going to be likely. <laughs> He's probably going <laughs> to want some of that money to have fun with or you know, maybe to start saving for a car, that kind of thing. Totally understandable. But this is where you come in. Maybe you can convince him to contribute, say, $2,000 by matching it with another $2,000 uh, if you have the extra money to do so. Uh, and then after that, you can run the numbers with him so he can get excited about it. You know, And so if he invested $4,000 at his age, and then, for instance, if he never invested again, he would have over $115,000 by age 65 just from that one summer job, just from that one summer. This is the, uh, the perfect chance to get him excited about seeing his money grow for him to understand the power of compounding interest. That may not be something that your young teenager would naturally get excited about, but if you're able to crunch the numbers like that and, and they're able to see that like, wow, that's, you know, I would end up with a lot of money down the road uh, if I were to invest it, then that could be something that you get them excited about. Yeah, the tax thing, super easy. The Roth IRA thing might take a little more finagling with, uh, especially if, if your teen 
likes to spend and is like literally getting this child yeah. so they can spend. But like when they see that number held up, like, hey, if you don't spend all the money that you made, you know, I'll help you out. And by investing, you're going to have way, 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 way more money down the line. It could really kick off a lifelong passion for, you know, saving and investing, which would be really cool. And, you know, earning that income from a summer job is really a perfect time to kind of start having some of these more serious discussions on those topics. But uh, Matt, let's get to a couple more questions, including one about investing for an itty bitty baby. We'll get to that and more right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money joel so we were just recounting our trip to scotland this is the trip that we took this time last year actually with some of our friends over the weekend and one of the highlights from edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop Mm -hmm. they were fresh out of the oven they had that perfectly flaky crust but guess what that serendipitous experience would never had happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel we had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town thanks to airbnb oh man i'm still dreaming about those meat pies you're making my (laughs) you're making me drool and while turning to airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. 
Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, Joel. Yet again, we are back and we're taking listener questions. And let's hear now from a listener who uh, wants to know uh, if he can substitute his emergency fund with a high limit credit card. Hello, this is Walter from Maryland. I've just reached my six months of savings and I was wondering, should I keep that in my savings account or should I move that to a mutual fund? Because I also have a credit card with a limit of 22000 and my six months of saving is about 15000 so I was thinking if I ever had anything emergency come up, I could put it on the credit card and then pull the money out of the mutual fund to pay it off within the time frame I've given. All right, Matt. Walter, already doing a great job when it comes to emergency funds. Uh, it's tough for a lot of people to get to that six-month savings point, and, and Walter's there, so big kudos to him. But he's got an interesting question, I feel like. you know, there's a, there's a lot we can really elaborate on when it comes to emergency funds. So yeah, let's dig a little bit deeper here for a second on e-funds. I know it can be tough to have that much money, especially right now, in savings, earning almost nothing. You know, we, we kind of talked about that a little bit earlier on in the episode, but it's only natural to want to look for a higher rate of return, especially when you've got $15,000 yeah. sitting there and you're like, it's earning nothing. That's tough to stomach. Uh, the problem, though, is that investing money that's supposed to help you in the event of an emergency it could really hurt you down the road, right? That, that's because your emergency might happen uh, at an inopportune time in the market. Let's say our economy goes through a recession and you get laid off in the middle of a recession when the market's down. It's like this double whammy to pull money out from your investments that are also suffering at the time um, and then baking in those losses, essentially. You don't want your emergency fund necessarily tied to the stock market. It's just too risky. Yeah, basically, we're asking folks to th imagine a scenario like March of 2020. Uh, we saw both of these things happen to a lot of folks. The market tanked and a lot of folks lost their jobs. And if you need that money and it's like down 30%, that's a tough time to pull it out. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, Walter, you know, you're asking about your credit card. You're asking if a credit card could work well in an emergency situation. Uh, and, you know, the way you're asking it, like, we don't think that that's the case. Uh, we, we think that credit cards are great for putting your general spending on every single month if you pay your card off in full before the due date. But I don't like the idea of investing so much of your money that the credit card is functioning essentially as your emergency fund. Uh, basically, like unless you have some unstoppable recurring income, and you know most people don't, <laughs> you need to have actual cash, you need to have actual money in the bank uh, that's liquid just in case you lose your job uh, and you're out of work for a while. In that instance, you know your credit card is not going to be a good backup system uh, if that happens, because if the emergency lasts long enough, you'll be racking up high interest rate debt that's going to you know put you in an even worse position over time. And so you know we feel that credit cards are are a great tool for your expenses. They're great for those actual transactions, but they shouldn't be you know the the main source of your funds. You shouldn't be counting on it uh, instead of actual money that you have in the bank. Yeah, you can definitely end up in a financial pickle if you're relying on credit cards as an emergency fund. And yeah, I guess that brings up the question, Matt, are there ever any alternative spots where you can place an e-fund besides just a savings account, you know, where you're earning next to nothing on your money? And I think the answer to that is yes, with a huge caveat, usually only after a decade or more of maxing out uh, your retirement vehicles, like let's say a Roth IRA. If you've been investing that diligently, you can't afford to have a little bit less, like maybe 
only just three months worth of expenses sitting in the bank instead of six months or more, which is ideal. And that's because your Roth can now function as the backup to the backup, right? So you have this smaller emergency fund in savings and you have this ridiculously large emergency fund that is your Roth IRA. Again, of course, it stinks to have to take money out if the market is hurting. Uh, but but if you've been that diligent to save and invest for 10 years or more, having a little less in an actual savings account, I think is one of those measured risks that a lot of people can feel comfortable taking. So Walter, once you hit that point, <laughs> we're okay with you investing at least uh, a little bit more of that. But for, for the time being, a credit card is a terrible alternative to an emergency fund. And yeah, we're just not comfortable with you taking that risk. All right, man, let's get to the next question. This one comes from a listener who really wants to help his son learn about investing, but the kid's really, really young. Hey, Joel and Matt. Thanks for taking my question. My name's Paul, and I'm from Seattle. My question is in regards to investing for your kids. I've got a two-year-old, and I'd like to set up some kind of investment account for him. I'm not sure which kind, though, which is why I'm reaching out. I've heard of custodial brokerage accounts, trusts as well as a few other things but i don't know what the best long-term option would be as well as which one would have the best tax benefits now and for the future uh, i'd like to build an account for my son with low cost index funds and or etfs and as he gets older include him in the decision making process and eventually when he's an adult give him control of the account i'd be creating this account with my own money and then as time goes on and my son earns his own money, I transition to teaching him how to manage and invest his own money. I want to teach him the importance of investing for your future and inspire him to become financially literate and an informed investor. I figured with compound interest, the earlier the better to set him up for financial freedom. Also, you all need to check out Holy Mountain Brewing in Seattle. They are the bee's knees. Ooh, Paul, thanks for that beer recommendation. And yes, we, we've heard great things about Holy Mountain. I, I looked them up on Untapped. They crush mm -hmm. <laughs> on there. And so folks have a lot of good things to say or rate <laughs> about their beers. Uh, we got to get our hands on, on some of that soon. But you're asking about uh, investing for your kid, right? And so, you know, starting to do that at a young age can can help them build some massive amounts of wealth. Uh, but really, you know, like you said, this is mostly about, uh, you know, it sounds like this is mostly about teaching your son about investing and handling his money well, being financially literate. And yeah, what better way than to have money that is actually his, chart the progress together, you know, over the next 15 years or more. That could be a great way for you to impart these lessons uh, upon him before he goes out on his own. Yeah. And he's not even close to going out on his own yet, Matt, right? No. He's got a lot of years under that roof. But um, yeah, let's talk about a couple of things that Paul needs to think about uh, right now you know, while he's making some of these decisions, the more money, Paul, that your son has in his name, just know that it, it can hurt him when it comes to getting financial aid for college. Uh, so for his ability to go to uh, college in the future and not get completely shut out from some of the aid that he might otherwise be able to get, it might make more sense to invest in your own retirement accounts and then watch those grow together. Uh, the Roth IRA in particular is great because you can withdraw some of those contributions for him uh, before you reach retirement age. So you can be saving money in your own account that you're actually intending to spend for him and for his education. So that's one thing to think about. But if you're already maxing that out and it's likely that your son is going to go to college someday, a 529 plan is, is probably the next best step, right? That money uh, is going to be in his name and it's got this specific purpose for it. You know, my daughter and I were following the progress of a little bit of money I invested for her college, literally just started uh, at the end of last year, probably not 
going to do a whole lot, but it's cool to see, right? It's a really fun way to follow along with her to see how that money is invested. It's got her name on the account um, and just showing her how quickly it can grow has already kind of got her mind churning, which is was a lot of fun to see. Yeah. And so, Paul, for you, the uh, Washington State Dream Ahead 529 plan, it's a pretty good one with reasonable fees and investment options. Uh, but we, you know, we believe that parents should prioritize investing for their own financial future more highly than their kids' uh, college savings. It really is like putting on your own oxygen mask before putting on your kids on an airplane. They always talk about that, you know, in the uh, little tutorial at the beginning of the flight that no one ever pays attention to. <laughs> uh, and so we don't at recommend... At they made the videos a little bit better in recent years. That is, that it used to be just the thing you had to pull out of the <laughs> seat pocket in front of you and you're like, oh, I'm not going to read this. Some but... of the airlines now, I mean, they, they make it fun. You know, like yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of a joke and folks <laughs> understand that. And so like, how else can you get people's attention? Making it interesting, funny, entertaining. But again, you know, we don't recommend investing anything for your kid's future until you at least hit money gear number seven. Uh, we actually talked more in depth about this on last Wednesday's episode. Uh, That was the episode titled Saving for College is Overrated because for a lot of people, we do think that they have their, their money priorities all out of whack. Yeah, doing something that seems like a good financial move, but doing it at the wrong time <laughs> before you've really appropriately done some of those, taking some of those other steps when it comes to saving and investing for yourself and your own future, it can make uh, something good actually turn into something bad. That's true. We don't, we don't want that to happen to you, Paul. But yeah, if you're there, if you're at Money Gear number seven and a 529 plan feels, let's say, too confining because college isn't a sure bet. Well, you can then open a custodial account. This allows you to be the holder of your son's investments until he turns age 18, which is the age of majority in your state. But again, just know that the money in one of those accounts is going to make it harder for him to receive financial aid for college. That money essentially acts as this big red flag when colleges are deciding which students to offer money to. They're like, oh, you know what? Paul's kid, he's already got you know $50,000 in investments. Like, Most kids don't have that. Right, exactly. Yeah. Most other kids his age don't have that. And so he's likely not going to get nearly as nice of a financial aid package. And so um, and so that can be to his detriment. So from a building wealth for his future standpoint, it's nice to do that, but it can hurt him when it comes to getting uh, free money for college. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and Paul, you mentioned trusts as well, which could be like that might be a better option since it gives you more control, right? And, and rules as to you know what the money that is set aside, what that is allowed to be used for. And so for instance, with a custodial account, one of the downsides is that uh, once he's of age, he can use that money for whatever he wants. Like he could use that to buy like a Lambo. Uh, <laughs> but with a trust, uh, you could make a rule maybe that says no exotic cars, <laughs> right? Uh, but the downside though to, to trusts is that it can be expensive. It can be more of a hassle to set up. But if we're talking about the potential for you know a ton of money, if we're talking big money here, a trust might be a great option for you. However, if your main goal really is just to make sure that you're teaching your son the basics of financial literacy, to make sure that he understands investing, then you know you don't even have to use any special accounts or investment vehicles. Uh, you can even just set up a simple account via a company uh, that, that we're fans of like GoHenry that caters to accounts for kids. Uh, and so in this case, it's linked to your own Go Henry parent account. And dude, you know, what I started to do recently with my oldest uh, in order to teach her about investing and compounding interest is that I've been paying her a weekly interest payment from me uh, on any money that remains in her account uh, that she doesn't spend. I found that, you know, when kids are still pretty young, it doesn't take much money for them to get it uh, with, with her. It is totally clicked, which is really exciting, you know, for her to understand that like, oh, wow, by leaving this money, like by keeping it here in, in you know, 
obviously it's not invested. It's just sitting there, but she earns interest from me. And so she knows that she's rewarded by quote unquote investing that money. And so I found that that's a simple way to introduce the concept of investing in compounding interest to her without over complicating it with some of these other accounts. Yeah. So it just depends on what your goal is. Are you trying to yeah. teach? Or are you trying to actually grow wealth? And if so, yeah, that there's a bunch of different things you need to consider when you're figuring out which vehicle you're going to take in order to grow wealth for your son. And the biggest downside is doing it in the wrong way can mess up any of that free money that you can get yes. when it comes to yeah applying for, for colleges. All right, Matt, let's get back to the, the beverage that we had on, on this episode. <laughs> Were you almost going to say beer? I was going to say beer. We say it every week. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it's uh, different to not be drinking an actual beer, but this is uh, a peach seltzer that our buddy Jess, a uh, neighbor down the street, brewed up in his garage. He generously shared some with us. Yeah, what were your thoughts, man? Because we, you know, I don't know if we've ever had a seltzer on the show, even though they're all, all the rage these days. Seltzers are good, but this is literally the first time I've ever had a homebrew seltzer before. Uh, I feel like they've kind of gained in popularity in the recent years. There's a, a favorite brewery of ours locally. They're making really good handcrafted seltzers, you know, using uh, like fresh ingredients, <laughs> that kind of thing. But this is a really good seltzer, man. It's like, I want to describe how it poured because normally like I'll say like how it looks in the glass, but it's just got like this kind of fresh pale looking like almost like pear like color right there's there's very little color to it and in turn it's it's a really clean drinking seltzer i mean i guess i don't know maybe all seltzers are clean drinking <laughs> there's not a whole lot of body to it uh, but it was, just, it was really refreshing man it's quite a, a lovely beverage to enjoy here while we're recording this episode what were your thoughts on it yeah man i thought it was like light and refreshing i thought maybe it could have used a little more on the on the bubble side but oh really yeah but i actually kind of liked actually how it, it had these faint peach notes and it wasn't it was actually a perfect amount of peach. overly carbonated yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah I, I feel like this is like a probably especially my wife would dig this. I feel like it's like the the perfect front porch summer beverage for for a lot of folks. And yeah, I will say this is not going to get me going down the seltzer bandwagon like everybody else. I'm still a craft beer nerd. Um, But yeah, this was enjoyable and nice to kind of switch things up. That's right, man. We uh, we can enjoy all the different types of beverages out there, but we're still craft beer to the core. Yes, That's we our are. beverage of choice for sure. And thanks again to our friend Jess for donating this one to the show. But Joel, that's going to be it for this episode. Listeners can find our show notes up on the website at howtomoney.com. Yeah, and if you've got a question that you'd like for Matt and I to tackle, we would love to hear it. I got to say, we get a lot of investing questions. We love investing, but if you've got any question out there, like if you're like, should I marry this guy? Or like, should I get a pet? <laughs> or like, should I go to the beach uh, this summer? Like, we're down with whatever sort of like money lifestyle questions you've got. We'll, we'll tackle anything. I don't know about the marry this guy question, but uh, I feel oh, like come I, on. I've got you've some got... things to say about, uh, about pets and uh, <laughs> the costs associated with that. There you go. Yeah, we're down for really the gamut of financial questions yeah. that people have for that's us. That's right. That's right. Well, that's going to be it for this episode, Joel. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.